The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. So what private moment in your life are you glad has remained private? See, we all have throughout the week, maybe even just a few minutes ago, embarrassing moments that happen in our relationships. Maybe it was a shameful reaction, or maybe you used a wrong word with your friend or a loved one. And it's embarrassing, it's wrong, but fortunately for you, it happens in secret. It happens in private, no one's around, and so you're able to keep it there. And in fact, when it doesn't stay there, it creates a real problem. Maybe you've recently seen a video on YouTube or something, or somebody posted something on social media where, you know, and I see this, like where couples will post uh, they're the other one yelling or doing something and, and, and it's funny to watch, but it's horrific in the relationship to think that someone would video the other person and then share that with the world to observe and to laugh at and to mock. Now, fortunately for us, we can keep those things in private and I know you have it. You have those moments where you reacted the wrong way, you guys got into a skirmish, uh, you said the wrong thing, and you carry that privately, but fortunately no one else knows it's going on. The challenge is this, those moments build walls. They build walls, walls of hurt, walls of offense, walls of unforgiveness, walls where we carry the feelings of betrayal and rejection. And then here's what we do when we start to build walls. We, we build walls to the point where we start to push people out of our life and we isolate ourselves from people. Well, now that we've created a distance between ourselves and others, maybe even in your home or in relationships, the only way you can interact with other people is you have to lob bricks over the wall. And we have a tendency to do that, don't we? We have a tendency to kind of take a brick and lob it over the wall, the bricks of hurt, the bricks of offense. We, we, we lob hurtful words. We, we lob angry responses. Here's the real challenge. What stays in private, these walls that we create, we tend to drag into new years. So what have you privately dragged into 2018. You haven't dealt with it. It's creating a distance between you and others. It's a hurt, it's an offense. Maybe it's something you've done wrong, but now you're withdrawing from others because you're carrying that, those, those hurts that you've, you've done to others. You haven't received forgiveness. You haven't made that situation right. And so right now, you've dragged into 2018 pain and problems from your past. And it is going to define the way you relate to others in 2018. That is, it's going to define it unless you deal with it. And most of us, when we deal with people, when it comes to conflict, and the reality is there's always going to be conflict because relationships are hard. Relationships are difficult. It's not easy to get along with people, and so here's how most of us respond, right? You know the two words, right? Fight or flight. We avoid or we accuse. 
Somebody hurts us, and so we withdraw in isolation to a place where we can nurse our wounds and hold our grudges. Or we kick into attack mode and we start chucking bricks of insult, of offense, of hurt, because we're not gonna let them hurt us. And you know what's sad? It's most of us, when we build walls, we want to overcome those issues. We would love nothing more than to actually be vulnerable and to have meaningful relationships. We want to get along in a, in a real way with people. We're just scared that the moment we open up, someone's gonna hurt us and so we're gonna big, build a bigger, deeper wall. And so we keep the wall we currently have for fear that if we open up and are vulnerable, someone's gonna hurt us worse, and that will cause us greater trouble. And so think about it, right? Right now, you're carrying hurt. There's someone that has hurt you that maybe you haven't forgiven. There's someone that, has, that uh, you've hurt that you haven't gone to and asked for forgiveness. There's offenses, there was a word spoken, there's someone maybe you haven't talked to in a really long time, and you've got walls in your life. Now, realize that those right now in your home may be carrying similar things. Realize that the people that you're with as you gather as the church are carrying similar things. Realize when you go to work that there are people who have similar walls and similar hurts and similar offenses and people that you're in class with. That's why relationships are so hard and that's why authentic community is even harder because it's not just what you're going through, it's what they're going through. Now figure out how to get along. And so no wonder authentic community in the church, at work, in groups is so hard. In fact, it was hard even for the heroes of the Bible. In this series, we're looking at one specific individual, a guy named Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham by God. Now this guy, Abram, he was far away from God. He was a pagan. He, they were, he was, his family were nomads living in Mesopotamia, which is now modern day Iraq. And God uniquely chose Abram. And he said, Abram, I want to bless you. Here is a guy who's older. And God says, he's got no children. He says, I'm not only going to give you a child, but I'm going to, through that child, I'm going to give you a nation. And I'm going to bless your life in such a way that your life is going to be a blessing to nations. Now, that guy who receives the blessing of God, the favor of God, the love of God, even he has a hard time getting along with everyone in his family. In fact, our story is going to, we're going to jump in to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It's, the, it's kind of the story of the origins of man and how man interacts with God. And in Genesis chapter 13, uh, Abram has already had this incredible encounter with God. He's received love from God. And now let's see how he works out relationship with others. Now Lot, this is his nephew, who kind of went on this journey with him and brought his whole family on the journey with Abram and his family. Now Lot, who was moving with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. 
So already, because of their wealth, because of their abundance, there's conflict, and it's actually forcing a division. They can't stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So there's, there's these other people around who are observing the conflict, and Abram's family and Lot's family are fighting. And so, you know, Abram could easily look at this and be like, look, I didn't, you know, I didn't even want you here in the first place. Can't you just get out of my life, right? But that's not what he does. No, Abram responds uh, based on the love he's received from God. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any, any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord. He's referring to the idea of like the land, the garden of Eden, this land of paradise. He's like, this land is beautiful, like the land of Egypt toward Zeor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities. Um, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. And so here is this kind of moment where uh, Abram says, "Hey, we're not getting along. You know, things are we're having trouble making this work. So you pick your land, I'll, and, and then I'll go in the opposite direction." So so his nephew Lot looks out and sees the best land and goes, I want that. Again, Abram could have uh, picked up an attitude and been like, dude, who do you think you are? But he, he says, hey, no problem. You go for it. But in the process of choosing, Lot has also set himself up for failure, right? Because he's picked an area where the people that live in that area, it says, are uh, sinning greatly against the Lord. And sure enough, this does get him into trouble. A lot moves there. He starts living among the people, but inevitably war breaks out and uh, other enemy nations come and attack the cities where Lot is living. Now, what, what could Abram do in light of this situation? So let's just jump in right here. The four kings seized all of the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all of their food. Then they went away. And they also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. And so, you know, Lot gets kind of caught up in this, these, uh, this national tension between the cities uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah and that surrounding community and other nations that hated them. And he gets caught in the middle of this conflict, gets captured, everything he owns is taken, all of his food is taken, his family is taken. And, and so he, his life is being devastated. But the story doesn't end there. Abram responds. Now he could have responded with the see I told you so. I didn't even want you with us. Now you're causing me trouble. You're taking the best land. Now you get yourself into more trouble and I have to come and rescue you. But Abram does come running to help. But the point of this story is this, right? What do we extract from the story? And it's that when we look at the life of Abram, we see the best picture of ourselves, what we can become through God. 
And Abram responds in love to rescue Lot. And the challenge and the takeaway you have is this, that you and I, we are loved to love. Relationships are hard. I've said this. But it's not just that relationships are hard, it's that relationships are impossible. The truth is all of us are doing the best we can. We're trying to scrape by and make relationships work. But the truth is relationships are not just hard, they're impossible. Why are they impossible? Because all of us are trying to love out of our own emptiness. We are trying to be intimate with walls of hurt built between us and others. We are trying to give out of our lack, out of our emptiness. And it is impossible to give someone the love they need in order for a relationship to work when we are love deprived, when we are love empty. So how do we make relationships work? Well, the truth is, we don't. When you look at the story of Abram, it wasn't Abram that made this work. Here's how the story goes. Abram is far away from God. God uniquely chooses Abram. God reveals himself to a man who was ruined, who was empty, who was childless. He had no future. He had no promise. He had no land. God shows up and God says, Abram, I've chosen you and I'm going to bless you and I'm gonna make your name great, and I'm gonna make you into a great nation, and I'm gonna bless that nation, and I'm gonna bless the world through you. So Abram receives God's love. Abram receives God's blessing. Abram receives God's favor. And guess what? Whatever fills, spills. And so because Abram has received the love of God, he's able to then return that love or share that love with others. Now here is how that blessing worked, right? When God spoke to Abram, I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna make your name great and I'm gonna bless you and through you, I'm gonna bless the nations of the world. Here's what God was saying. Abram, I'm gonna raise up a nation through you, the nation of Israel. Through the nation of Israel, I'm gonna bring a Messiah a rescuer, a savior to the world, the savior Jesus. Jesus, who would take on all of our hurt, all those walls that we build up between us, Jesus was gonna take on the offense. He was gonna take on the, the pain. He was gonna take on all of the reasons that cause brokenness in relationships. Why are relationships impossible? Because of sin. Sin is the spiritual brokenness that leaves all of us love empty. And because we go through life love empty, because sin has fractured our hearts and broken us, we are separated from right relationship with God. We live like Abram before he had this experience with God. And so we go through life because of sin, separated from relationship with God to the point where we don't even know if God is there. And when sin sabotages, sin wrecks relationships, and sin leaves us on a life course toward ruin, toward not just death, but forever judgment. God reveals to himself to Abram, 
Through you, Abram, I'm going to bless the whole world. Then God raises up the nation of Israel. Through Israel, he gives Jesus. Jesus, who takes on the sins of the world, all of the offenses, even those private things you're carrying and you've carried into 2018. Jesus died on the cross to pay for those private hurts and those private offenses, for that private sin that has broken relationships in your life. And when Jesus died, he died once for all to pay the price for the sin that you've carried, to pay the debt that others have put into your life because of their sin. Jesus paid for our eternal judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of sin, given new life. See, when you believe in Jesus... God's spirit enters into your spirit. There's something truly supernatural that happens. A relationship is reborn. When you say, yes, I believe in Jesus by faith, you you welcome God's spirit into your spirit and you become truly alive and eternally alive. But what also happens is now you have intimate relationship with God because his Holy Spirit is present in your life. When God's spirit is in your spirit, you are filled with God's love. The love of God that was extravagantly spent on you through Jesus' death and resurrection now fills your life, and what fills, spills. It overflows. God wants to flow into your life so that his love can overflow from your life. We are loved to love. So Abram responds to Lot, not because he is some selfless uh, hero, but because he has received love from God, and so he's able to love others. Jesus fought for us. Now we can be motivated to fight for others. That's the story of Abram. And so how do we respond? What do we do? Well, let's just keep reading with the story. How does Abram respond? When Abram, this is verse 14 and 15 of chapter 14. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out, the 318 trained men born in, the house, in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. What he's simply saying is he went over the entire country fighting for uh, Lot. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. And, and so here is the idea here. The, the point I just simply want to get across to you is this. Loving means doing the hard work of getting along. It is going to be hard work for you to make relationships work in 2018. Love means doing the hard work of getting along. It is hard to reconcile broken relationships. It doesn't come naturally. Relationships won't fix themselves. People won't just suddenly get better. You're not just gonna suddenly have a great marriage. The parent-child relationship isn't suddenly gonna become great. You're not gonna suddenly become a great parent or suddenly become a great boyfriend or girlfriend. No, it's gonna take hard work to love the way God loves you. Jesus' love for us was expensive and extravagant. 
Abram foreshadowed the love of Jesus and his love for Lot was expensive and extravagant. It cost him significantly and it was inconvenient. I want you to know this. The love that God wants to pour through your life will be costly and inconvenient. In what way is God inviting you and challenging you to love others by doing the hard work of getting along. I wanna wanna jump over to a letter written by the pastor of the church in Jerusalem in the first century. He was the brother of Jesus, became convinced that Jesus, his brother, was also the son of God. When Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven, James became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Late in life, he wrote a letter to them challenging them how to live right in relationship with Jesus and how to love others through that relationship with Jesus. He wrote this in James chapter three, verse 18. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity, and honor. Did you catch that? So I didn't even, I didn't make up that quote. Love means doing the, doing the hard work of getting along with others. I just borrowed it from Pastor James who wrote it way better than I could. The point is this, it's going to take hard work. And so I want to give you a couple principles about how to love by doing the hard work of getting along in order to make relationships work, in order to tear down walls and to build bridges. Here it is. The first one is going to be this fight fair. I just thought, man, I'm going to borrow that from Abram. Abram went to battle and he had to fight fair. He actually ran all over the countryside in order to fight for Lot. And so what are the rules of fighting in relationships? Well, I'm going to give you a first statement and then let's break it down how we can apply this to our life. Conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. Now, some of you You like the option of combat. You will choose fight over flight every time. You, maybe you get a thrill out of it. I don't know. Now stop it. (laughs) Conflict is inevitable. Combat, optional. So how do you avoid the option of combat when you're facing the inevitable conflict? Well, I I I wanna put an idea, a thought in your brain, and it's this. Conflict is an opportunity for growth. Every conflict you're in, every conflict you've had, and every conflict you will have is an opportunity for growth. And so your challenge, your question is, now that I have believed in Jesus by faith, God's spirit is in my spirit, I have right relationship with God, how can I grow to be more like Jesus through this conflict? I want you to think about that. The conflict you're in right now, how can you grow to be more like Jesus because of this conflict? Maybe you can learn to love the way Jesus loves. Maybe you can learn to forgive the way Jesus forgives. Maybe you can learn to absorb hurt the way Jesus absorbed hurt. You see, every conflict is an opportunity for growth in your life and in relationships. 
That relationship that is facing conflict right now actually could grow to the next level if you would go through the relationship, if you would go through the conflict by fighting fair. So what are some of the rules of fighting fair? Well, first I wanna challenge you to gain perspective. I want you to see the other person the way God sees them. You know how God sees people? As precious. God loves people. God loves every person. Even the person that you're right now having a really hard time getting along with. That's right, God loves them. Jesus died on a cross for them. Jesus endured suffering and death because he loves them. And so your challenge is to gain the perspective that the person you're in conflict with, and while you're in conflict, to remind yourself, Jesus loves this person. In fact, Jesus is fighting for that person. Don't you dare hurt them when they have a God who loves them. So you be careful. Don't put yourself in a position to be against God because you're mistreating the children of God. Gain perspective that God loves people and we need to love them the way he does. Secondly, pause. I would challenge you, like the way you would tell a child you go to a timeout, all of us, when we get in the middle of a conflict, we've got to pause. You want to fight fair? Give yourself a timeout. Maybe you need to count to 30 in in your mind before you respond before you say something you would regret, before you hurt the relationship, before you take another brick and you lob it over the wall, before you put another brick in the wall. Pause, count, slow down. For some of you, you might even need to give yourself like a five-minute timeout. Warn the person. Don't just walk out of the room and slam the door. No, say, hey, you know what? I need to cool down. Can you give me five minutes and I will get right back and we will have a conversation. Now, when you re-engage, can I encourage you after the pause, re-engage, sit down, and stay calm. All right, now I get it. Some of you all, you grew up in families that were loud, and uh, you have a a heritage that is loud, and for you, calm is speaking at the highest decibel possible. I want you to calm down, calm your emotions down. Don't hurt the other person, right? In Ephesians chapter four, Paul is writing, and he says, be angry, but do not sin, meaning don't cause offense. Don't hurt the other person. Don't be cruel with your words. Don't be mean, don't, don't destroy their name, don't, don't slash their reputation. And then the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthian church says, love is not, and if you look at it in different translations, it translates this, this way. Love is not irritable, love is not touchy, love doesn't fly off the handle, love doesn't hold on to offenses. Do you catch that? And so our challenge is to gain perspective to pause, to fight fair. You know, don't, don't get other people to join your side against that person. Don't drudge up the past if you're gonna have a disagreement with somebody. Don't remind them of all of their faults, right? And then once you deal with the issue, move on. Don't keep bringing it back up. And then if, you know, once you move on, right, you don't share that story, you don't video it and then share it on Facebook, you don't have to post uh, how you work through it to everybody else in the world, right, like, you keep it in private, that's, that's fighting fair. Now, let me, let me jump back and give you one more thought, or, or one more uh, idea, when it comes to doing the hard work of getting along, and we're going to look at it from Genesis chapter 14, verse 16. 
He recovered all of the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and other people. So here's Lot. I mean, here's Abram. He goes to battle. He fights. Uh, he fights. It costs him. It is inconvenient. He rescues Lot. Now, he could have reamed Lot out. He could have sent him away. But he restores relationship. He rebuilds community. And here's what I want to challenge you with. It's not just that we fight fair. It's that we have to learn to fight for rather than against each other. Can I challenge you? Your spouse is not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. Your parents are not your enemy. The church is not your enemy. That relationship that's hurting right now is not your enemy. We and I, we need to start learning to fight for rather than against each other. Start fighting for your marriage. Start fighting for your children. Start fighting for your workplace. I want to challenge you to fight for those that God loves. That's why as a church, I have challenged you to fight for our neighborhoods, to fight for our city, fight for our communities. We're not fighting against each other. We're not going to fight against our city. We're going to partner with our city and say, how can we serve you? How can we love you? Because we recognize that we've been loved to love. And that means that we've got to do the hard work of getting along. The hard work of getting along means you've got to fight for rather than against. Some of you right now, you've been fighting those that you should be loving. You've been causing pain to those that you should be loving. People that should trust you and know that you're a person who is safe for them. They're afraid of you because you've been fighting them rather than fighting for them. You, your response right now is time to repent. God, forgive me. God, I need to change my ways. God, I need to be filled with your love because when I receive your love, I'm gonna give your love and that relationship can be restored. If you would repent, allow God to fill you with love and what fills, spills, which I wanna challenge you. Would you be proactive? Don't wait for that other person to come to you. Don't wait for them to apologize to you. I get it. Your pride says no. They hurt me. They can come to me. No, that's not how it reads in the Bible. When we follow the example of God, Jesus did not wait for you to come and say you were sorry. Jesus came and died for our sins when we were, yet, we were still sinners. Romans 5 verse 8 says that. So you have to be willing to go to the other person and restore relationship and reconcile love even if you feel that they've wronged you. That's being proactive when it comes to conflict resolution. That means when you sniff tension, deal with it so that it doesn't metastasize and become a cancer in the relationship that grows and destroys. Deal with tension while it's small. Be proactive in conflict resolution. Make it right. Now here's what, I want you to hear this. When you receive love because you've repented of your loveless ways, when you've been overwhelmed by the love of God, the extravagant, inconvenient, expensive love of God, and that love fills, it spills. There is a unique mark on Christians' lives. There is something different about the way we share community because we love with Christ-like love. We're not perfect because we're gonna have to continue to model, I'm sorry, we're going to have to continue modeling, offering, and receiving forgiveness because that is the Christ-like way. So don't expect perfection 
in the community of the church. Don't expect perfection in the home of a Jesus follower. Expect Christ-likeness, where we give and receive love, where we give and receive forgiveness, where we give and receive sincerity and authenticity. You understand? So I want to challenge you. Get into a Christian community. You, you don't, don't just participate with us online. Don't just go to one of our campuses. I want to challenge every one of you. Get into a life group. You've heard us say it. Circles are better than rows. When, you, when you're part of church, you're sitting in a row. When you get into a life group, you're sitting in a circle. You're sharing community. Don't expect perfection from that community. Expect Christ-likeness. There is a unique mark of God's favor that we believe flows in so that it overflows from our lives. What is overflowing from your life as you've stepped into 2018? I believe that God wants to flow his love into your life so that his love overflows from your life, so that God builds relationship with you so that you can have authentic relationship with others, that God invites you into community with him so you can be in meaningful, authentic community. So what step do you need to take right now? Maybe right now you're holding on to pain from the past. Maybe you're holding on to hurt or you've hurt others and you haven't made it right with God. Maybe you're not right now, you're still loveless because you're empty and you need to say yes to Jesus. Can I encourage you right now, wherever you are, those of you at our campuses, you're watching, would you, would you make a commitment right now to say yes to Jesus? If you're with us online, would you say yes to Jesus right now? Would you join us? Simply say yes to Jesus. If you've never made that commitment, would you say yes to Jesus right now? Now, if you believe in Jesus, are you at the place where you're ready to say, I not only wanna be loved, but I wanna love. I wanna be in right relationship because I wanna give right relationship. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe there's someone you need, to make, you need to go to and you need to restore relationship. Maybe you need to get into authentic community by joining a life group. Can I challenge you? What is that next step that you need to take? Now, all of our campuses and even those of you joining us online, can I encourage you just, I want you to stand with me right now. That's right, I want everybody to stand with me. I'm gonna pray over you. And in fact, I, before I pray, I wanna encourage you, would you just open your hands toward heaven? Just, I want you to receive the favor of God, the love of God. That's right, even if you're, you're joining us at home, would you, would you just stand up, would you raise your hands right now? Jesus, I wanna say thank you for that extravagant, expensive, inconvenient love. You didn't have to come, but you came and you pursued us. You loved us and you poured your goodness into our lives. You have forgiven us willingly. You forgave us extravagantly. You spent yourself on our lives. And God, we are made whole. We are forgiven and loved because of Jesus' death and the power of his resurrection. Now would you so fill us that it spills out of us? Would you flow your love in us so that it overflows from us? May this community and the surrounding communities be different because Jesus' followers receive love to share love. Lord, we offer ourselves with hands high to you. And we say, God, would you use me to rebuild relationships, to heal a marriage, to heal my home, to heal my workplace, to heal my classroom. Would you pour your love into me so that I can express your love in my neighborhood, in my community, in our city, and God beyond this community. 
We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.